Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back to Sports Talk here on the Big 870. Mike Detail, along with Charlie Long, taking you till 8 o'clock tonight. Uh, we're going to go back to our Oakland Heart Jewelers talking text line. Joe and Mattery, Joe's been hanging on for some time. So, Joe, thanks for your patience. Appreciate the call, bud. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? We're doing great, Joe. Thank you. In 2019, is that when we extended Drew Brees' contract? Yes. And so we passed up Davis Love, and we took off. Who did we take in the first round? You're talking about Jordan Love? Uh, the quarterback, yeah, the, the backup in Green Bay, yeah. Uh, because you know what, at that time, I think one of the things Sean was going to go out and try to find him a veteran, a young veteran quarterback that he could develop, and that's when he took the flyer on Jameis Winston, who had played out his time uh, with Tampa Bay, and he was going to bring him in, and he felt as though he was going to be the heir apparent. Uh, it just did. It just didn't work out. The injury. Uh, Got Jameis early in the season, and then this year he catches it again. And with Jordan Love, uh, with the Packers, they weren't sure about anything with Aaron Rodgers. If if he was going to demand to be traded, if he was going to retire, was he going to host Jeopardy? You know. So my thing is, Jordan Love at this stage, if I'm Green Bay, and from what I've seen, he's very hesitant to make a quick decision to throw the football downfield, almost like it's a yo-yo with him, like he pulls the string back. But if I'm Green Bay, why would I trade him? I'm not paying him hardly anything, and I'm not sure what's going to happen in 2024. I think Aaron will be back in 2023, but I'm not sure what's going to happen with him beyond those years. And to uh, what his other question was, who was our first pick? We didn't have a first-round pick that no, year. didn't have the Saints. That was the year the, the Saints' Eric first McCoy. pick was Eric McCoy with pick 48 in the second round. Yeah. Uh, their first overall pick went to New York, who picked uh, DeAndre Baker in the first round. Yeah, and so, you know, in that spot, I think Sean just thought that, you know, he could develop that, that young veteran quarterback. It just it didn't work out. We'll be back with more sports talk here on the Big 870. And Brandon Lang from BrandonLang.com will be with us right after this break. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike Detail, along with Charlie Long, taking you till 8 o'clock tonight on our Oakland Hard Jewelers Talking Text Line, one of the top handicappers in the country, Brandon Lang from BrandonLang.com, also host of the Believe Me podcast with Cardell Stewart. Uh, Brandon, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good. I'll, I'll start with college first. Um, national championship game, Georgia, TCU, pretty big spread there between those two teams. Split out had Ohio State and Michigan, so we, we split out there. Um, and I, I believe I learned my lesson when it comes to TCU. Um, all they've done all year long is – answer the bell. And yeah, they had four come from behind victories in the fourth quarter and probably should have lost a couple games down the road and so on and so forth. And you can go on and on and on, but that was a pretty good Michigan team that they hung 50 on. You better believe it. And once you peel back the hype of Georgia, I think Ohio state exposed them a little bit. LSU exposed them in the first half. You could see it. And then the the couple breaks that went against LSU and the game got out of hand. LSU actually played them better than people gave LSU credit for. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, it does. Um, And so when you bring Georgia off that pedestal, this is a TCU team that failed to cover three games all year. They – couldn't pick up the fourth and goal at the one-yard line in overtime against K-State in the Big 12 championship game. And I'll go on record saying if they score first and goal by seven, I think they hold K-State. They were laying one and a half against Baylor one by one, and they were laying five to Oklahoma State and one by three in overtime. Other than that, they've covered every game this year. Every one. They've been cash cow. So I think it's too many points. I really do. Um, and with a mobile quarterback in their passing game, George is going to have to be up comfortably by three touchdowns at some point in the fourth quarter to cover this game. And I just, I think it's too much wood. I like TCU. Brandon, I thought I was the lone wolf on that. So I'm glad you chimed in on my side because everybody else is, oh, George is going to blow them out. So uh, you and I sort of have the same thinking on that. In the final week of the season, understanding for some teams this really doesn't mean anything. It's got to be really tough when you start handicapping games uh, of kind of which team you catch here. But in a game that is meaningful, Green Bay, Detroit, and looks as though finally the, the, the Packers have a little traction underneath their feet. Courtesy of the Detroit Lions going into Carolina two weeks ago, and giving up 7,489 <laughs> yards rushing to the Panthers. Yep. I want to use Detroit in this game so bad. I really do. They dominated Green Bay in the first meeting. Green Bay couldn't run the ball. Green Bay lost the game 15-9. Aaron threw a red zone pick. They were, they were a mess. They were an absolute mess. But conversely, that's the last game that they lost Yep. when they went on, went on this winning streak. Um, in a game like this in Lambeau, December, January, Aaron and Matt LaFleur are 16-0 together since they've gotten gotten together in the month of December and January in the regular season. Um, 
I will force Detroit to go in here and show me they can do something that they couldn't do at Carolina and that stop the run because that run game of Green Bay looks really good right now. And I don't know if Detroit travels well here in this spot. It's been a great season, but I can't get past the Carolina game. I just can't. I think Green Bay figures out a way to win by seven or more. Uh, Jacksonville, Tennessee, and, and we, we've had so many people tell us, oh, man, t- t- Tennessee, Tennessee, bump. man, I, I don't see it. You know, I, I don't see it with the Titans. And they, they play tough on defense, but offensively, it's a struggle uh, to get a first down, much less to move the football. And you starting to see why Trevor Lawrence is who he is. He, he's making some plays, and, and they're a pretty well-coached football team with Doug Peterson. Okay, I don't know who these people are that see Tennessee in this game. I don't. I don't see it. They're they're going to lose a tremendous amount of money. I mean, a lot of money. Two things happened last week. Jacksonville went to Houston in a game they didn't even have to play. They could have lost to Houston by 120 points and came back home and beat Tennessee in the playoffs. The game meant nothing. If you turn that game on and you watch Jacksonville play, you would have thought their mothers were being held hostage. And if they didn't win that game, their moms were going to die. They played with an intensity that was unbelievable, and they blew the doors off the Texans. And now you have Jacksonville at home where last year in this stadium with nothing to play for, they played the Colts who had to win to get in and blew the doors off the Colts. You want me to believe that you're going to take a guy off the practice squad, the Detroit Lions, and insert him into an offense and go, go get it, Josh. Bring us home, baby. Josh, you bring us home now. We're going to run the picket fence on him. Don't get caught watching the paint dry. I don't see it, bro. I don't see it either. I don't. I think this game is a destruction. you got a team that has lost six in a row. Yep. You've lost six in a row straight up. You have lost four of those against the spread. Two, two, two you pushed. And you want me to believe that all of a sudden you're going to find it. You know, I wish Bobby were on the show tonight because you could ask Bobby. <laughs> momentum is so critical in yep, the NFL. That's true. And you're trying to tell me at the end of the season you have zero momentum and now you're going to go on the road and face a Jacksonville team that in this stadium this year, they blew the doors off Indy 24-0. They had the upset loss to Houston, and they lost to the Giants. And since then, came back to beat Vegas, beat the Ravens, beat Dallas. This team has covered four straight, seven of their last eight. I'm sorry. I'll be absolutely shocked if the Jacksonville Jaguars do not win this game by two touchdowns or more. I I agree with you. I agree with you totally. Charlie? Brandon, I got a couple games I'm really looking at here. You know, we're talking about these games that really have huge playoff implications, but there's something to be said about spoilers and playing spoilers to teams that you hate in your division. The Browns, after losing to the Saints, spoiled Washington season last week, and they have a chance to do it against the Steelers this week. What do you think about this game? The Steelers are currently favored by two and a half. Here's the problem with Cleveland. 1-11 against the spread when coming off a non-division road game. And they're 0-8 against the spread when both teams are coming off a win. Mm. Now, with that being said, 
here's Mike Tomlin sitting at two and six and never had a losing season as a head coach. He gets it back to six and eight, and he's down to the Raiders at home and needs a two-minute drive to get a touchdown with 46 seconds to go to get to seven and eight. They go to Baltimore, and they're losing the game. They played garbage the whole game, get the ball back with just two and change to go and go on another game-winning drive and score inside a minute to get to eight and eight. You've done all that for a coach who's never had a losing record, and now you come back home in that stadium against this team to get to nine and eight and cross your fingers that Buffalo beats New England and the Jets beat Miami. And ladies and gentlemen, Mike Tomlin gets this team in the playoffs <laughs> when they were two and six. And you just scratch your head and say, you know what? Sometimes you go with streaks. Sometimes you go with the eye test. And sometimes you're like, you know what? To come back in the last two minutes of their last two games to get to 8-8 eight, eight and get to 500. If this is how Mike Tomlin goes out, if, if this is how he goes out for his first losing season after what they just did the last two weeks, I think they're playing full of confidence, and I, I think Pittsburgh's the right side of the game. All these games that matter, Brandon, we've talked about a bunch of them, and then we're going to talk about one that has no bearing on anything, the Saints and the Panthers. The Panthers are one of those teams, they're so hot and cold, but, I mean, you look at their last seven games, four wins, three losses, but in those games, the real number has been those rushing yards. Those wins, 232 rushing yards, 185, 223, 320. Then the losses on the other side of things, 36, 21, 74. The Saints gave up a gajillion yards to the Falcons on the ground, but ever since then, they played pretty well against Cleveland, and then they did really well against Philadelphia. Obviously, Gardner Minshew was in instead of Jalen Hurts, but what do you see from this game? I I see that the spread right now is the Saints are three-and-a-half-point favorites at home, it seems like really stuffing that run game is all that matters in this one for, for the black and gold. There's a term we use in, in handicapping circles called situational handicapping. And it's not that just Carolina lost last week. They lost everything. Their playoff, right, their playoff dreams were dashed. But it's how they lost. They had that game won. And and Brady came back and got them. They, so essentially, they had their hearts ripped out. All the Saints have showed you down the stretch is that they're playing. They're balling. They're, they're, there's no quit. And I just have to question where Carolina's at. You can see all the right things in the press, and you can say this, and you can say that. But at the end of the day, I just think when you got to dig down deep and play as if your life depends on it, I just don't know if Carolina can match the intensity of how the Saints have played down the stretch. But listen, New Orleans knew they had a, a, the longest of shots to make the playoffs. It didn't matter. They've been so competitive the last few weeks. By the half point, lay three with the Saints. Never, when you're playing the favorite minus three and a half, always buy it down to three. Never get beat by the hook and feel comfortable taking New Orleans minus three rather than taking a shot with Carolina, which I think emotionally, I think they're done. Brandon, this isn't a handicap question, but your thoughts today. Do you really think that Jim Harbaugh returns to the NFL this year? Well, I'll tell you what. He can't get his team ready for a bowl game. He's going six <laughs> against the spread his last six bowl games. So the guy, the guy obviously has a great regular season, but when it comes to the month of preparation to get your team ready to play a bowl game, he's completely clueless. I always say that he had a better chance of going to work at Best Buy in the Geek Squad, fixing your computer, than getting his team ready for a bowl game. Doesn't he look like a Geek Squad guy? <laughs> hey, Jim, I got a virus in my computer. Can you can you can you get that for me real quick? It just uh, 
it's it, my son got a hold of it and probably went to some porn websites and it's got a virus. Jim, can you get your squad to get that for me? Because you can't go to a bowl game to save your life. Um, wouldn't shock me. Wouldn't surprise me. Back to back bowl appearances and um, got in the final four. I think he's done. But with that being said, he's making a lot of money to just chill, and uh, it's a pretty cushy job. So, you know, we'll see. But uh, The more he denies it, Brandon, the more I think he's really got an interest. Because he, he's yeah, denying he, it every step of the way. He's a, he's a shady guy. <laughs> he's a shady guy. You know, his saying, is, his saying with, with his family and with his team is always, who's got it better than us? Nobody. That's what they say after every every game. Well, obviously, Jim, a few other teams have it better than you when it comes to bowl games. But um, who knows? You know, good for Jim. He got he he got his team in a bowl game and they got slaughtered again. So nice job, Jim. See you on campus, bud. Brandon, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Everybody with more information, BrandonLang.com. Thank you, brother. Thanks so much. Brandon Lang, one of the top handicappers in the country. We'll be back with more sports talk. And then we'll have Jason Lockenfora, Odyssey's NFL insider, with us from host of In the Huddle right after this break here on the Big 870. We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike Detelia along with Charlie Long. And um, on our Oakland Heart Jewelers talking text line, we're joined by Odyssey NFL insider Jason Lockenfora, host of the Odyssey original podcast In the Huddle with Brian Baldinger and also Carl Dukes covering the entire NFL. Jason, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon um, with certainly good news over the last 48 yeah, hours sure. uh, of what's happened with DeMar Hamlin. Uh, what sort of changes uh, ha- do you hear across the league that, that maybe would be pushed in the offseason? Uh, I know Bobby and I have talked about this. It looks as though maybe from even like 10 to 12 years ago, less padding on the players today. Would there be something, and I know it was a freakish incident yeah. that happened, would, would a breastplate uh, be something that you think that would be added that mandatory that people wear? Huh. Well, I mean, it's certainly possible. Um, you know, I, I do think, you know, we still need to kind of probably learn a little bit more about exactly what happened here. Um, and and thank God this is, you know, a, a really isolated incident yes. and not something we've seen with any regularity, but yeah, I mean, look, I can remember (laughs) the rancor that was going around years ago when they made guys start to wear like knee pads and some stuff that they didn't want to wear, which some guys pass off as shoulder pads doesn't amount to much. So look like a kicker's pad. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And there have been a lot of um, advances made, especially, and you see it at the high school, level with what is available now in terms of shoulder pads and additional spine support and certainly different things around the lungs and the heart. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm all for it. You know, I'm not the one who's playing with it. I know guys, sometimes they want to feel lighter, right? They want it to be less cumbersome. We've even seen it with their shoes where, you know, some of these ACL and other injuries, you look at the footwear the guys were wearing and it's like, there's no support, Um, but it's super light and it makes them feel like they can fly. So, I mean, look, you can't regulate and adjudicate um, everything out, but you certainly want to mitigate risk as much as possible, and I'm sure it's something 
that the competition committee and the health, you know, health and safety committee will, um, and the league's doctors will spend some time talking about. And, and if there is something that could help in terms of the padding, then I mean, that certainly we should be all about it. We've talked so much about what would happen with Sean Payton in the offseason. Your thoughts, the more I hear Jim Harbaugh put out these little statements saying, I'm not interested in it, the more and more I think that that's exactly where he'll end up, back in the National Football League. Well, the problem is not only anybody's interested in him, is he's interested in them. I mean, remember, he lost out to Kevin O'Connell, a guy who never coached before in Minnesota a year ago. You know, Jim Harbaugh, man, there's a lot. You're you're hot, you're bringing on a lot there. You're not just hiring a coach. Like, you're you're hiring a personality. You're hiring a very, like, different sort of individual with his own sort of ideas and his own thoughts about how to run everything from, you know, what ply is the toilet paper, you know what I mean, what color are the walls, what, you know, what's the team bus look like, is that, I mean, it it's a lot, man, and it's not a match for everybody, and and it's not going to. He's not going to be every owner's cup of tea. He's just not. Um, but he wins. Clear, he's got wanderlust. It's yeah. clear he wants to win a Super Bowl. Yes, and he can't do that at Michigan. But I also don't know that anybody's going to give him all the money and all the power the way he would want to have it feel right to him at the NFL level. His best bet, I believe, and I wrote about this at the Washington Post. His old buddy Jim uh, Jim Irsay, who's yep. just as goofy as he is. Those two <laughs> together, like I don't know how long it would last, but it would be interesting. And I don't know that Irsay can do any better than Harbaugh. And I don't know that Harbaugh can do any better than Irsay. You might be right, Jason. Hey, listen, they're a match made in writer or reporter's heaven. Oh, because yeah. Because they're going to give you content from day yeah. one till it ends. No doubt about it. Yeah, no, no, that, no, that's, no doubt about it. that's kind of what I was going to ask is if any of the openings already or like the perceived openings that will happen at the end of the regular season uh, kind of makes sense for Harbaugh. I, I don't like I can kind of see Indianapolis. I don't I don't think I see Denver as a fit no. or Carolina. I think Carolina, Steve Wilkes has earned the job. I, I'm not sure. I, I think if, out of those openings that we've kind of seen already, I kind of agree with you. I think Indianapolis is the best fit. Yeah, I mean, I think he and Russell Wilson, man, if you know those two at all, I I don't know how you think that. Like, he's going to be the guy to fix Russell Wilson? I mean, that'll be over by, you know, Halloween. Um, Yeah, I mean, Carolina, like, I'm sure Tepper will talk to everybody. If Tepper does the right thing, he'll he'll keep Steve Wilkes there, who did do a tremendous job. I mean, I'm not 100% convinced he will. Um, But I just, I, I, man, you know, Tepper, Tepper came through the, the Steelers, and that's, you know, division of church and state. And he just had a college coach there in Matt Rule, yep. not, not one with NFL experience the way Harbaugh had, but, you know, he had a college coach who had all the power and, and ran everything, and it, he ran it into the ground. You know, I don't know that he wants to go back to that model with an older guy who's even more stuck in his ways. I'm not sure. Jason, uh, watching what's happened in Jacksonville, and what Doug Peterson, I think, has done a really, really good job there. Absolutely. Uh, I, I know Doug when he was a high school coach here in Louisiana before he went into the pros. Man, your thoughts on Trevor Lawrence? Because, boy, you look at what he's pieced together the last three or four weeks. Man, he's playing yeah. the tight football. I think all of us 
thought he would play. Now, again, he was saddled with a bad team. I mean, just yes. – and, and Urban Meyer, he did squat nah. zero <laughs> with him. But, man, you were seeing a young potential star player grow right in front of your very eyes. Yeah, no, there's there's no doubt about it. He had, you know, a rough first half. He was turning the ball over too much. He was trying to do a little too much at times. Um, and when he would take off and run, which is a, a significant element of his game, um, he, his ball security was, was not satisfactory. But, yeah, I mean, you can look at a good six, seven weeks now where he's playing at an elite, elite level. And I think it really turned for him. They had an amazing comeback on the Ravens. Um, I guess it's been about six weeks ago where it looked like they were left for dead a couple of times, and he led two comebacks in that game late in the fourth quarter. Um, I think they scored uh, 16, 19 points in the, in the final six minutes plus uh, overtime. It, 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 it was a toward-the-force performance, and you could see him getting more confident through that game. And, you know, they had a great offseason. I mean, people knocked the Evan Ingram signing. It, it turned out to be one of the, the better signings. People knocked the Christian Kirk signing. Well, guess what? Once all those other receivers started getting their $30 million a year, it didn't look so bad. And Zay Jones, three years, $8 million a year, um, has been a, 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 they've gotten a ton of return from that. And Doug Jones has been uh, – Doug, Doug Peterson has been exactly what they need. Um, yeah, it's, it's – look, they have things they still need to improve on, and the defense is still a work in progress. Uh, but I think they're going to beat the Titans. They just handled them a few weeks ago, and once they're in um, – they're going to give you a game. Yes, they're, they will. They're, they're going to give you a game. What do you think will happen in the offseason with Washington, with the commanders and Dan Snyder? Because, um, you know, that that's always been that kind of afterthought. Okay, y'all want to force me out? Okay, you kind of put me in a bad spot? Okay, I think I got enough stuff on some of you guys that I can sort of flip the card on you. He doesn't seem to be in that big of a hurry to want to sell this team. And we've heard the rumors that he's been offered over $7 million for the commanders. Your thoughts on where you think a year from now will be with Dan Snyder and the commanders? I think it gets resolved much quicker than that. Okay. I think, okay. I think he, um, I think he's ready to cash, cash out. And, uh, you know, I've seen some stuff about him, asking to use England as a permanent residence, and he's filed business papers in that regard. His The people who track his yachts and planes keep seeing it over in the U.K. So I think there's something to that. Yeah, um, yeah I think he'll sell the team. I think he'll sell the team to somebody like Jeff Bezos, who's well-vetted, and you're not going to need six months to figure out if he's liquid enough to own the team. Um and I, I think this will be voted on, if not by the March meeting, then by the May meeting. In fact, I think it will happen so fast that Ron Rivera might not get next year. And I don't really think, frankly, he deserves next year anyway. But um, I think there's going to be enough time for the, for the, the, the new regime to, to hire their own coach in time for the offseason program, certainly in time for, um, you know, OTAs and definitely training camp. Uh, I can't imagine spending that much money for a team and not want to start putting your fingerprints yeah. on it as come soon on. as you can if he does get $7.5 billion. I mean, come on. Come on. And Bezos? Come on. He wants to put his stamp on that, too. Yeah. Uh, listen, I didn't make my billions by being a dumb guy. 
Uh, yep. And I want to make my own decisions on this. Charlie? Yeah, no, that's that's what I was going to ask you, Jason. Was What do you think the number, the final number on the commander's sale would be? $7.5 is what you said? Well, I, I mean, it wouldn't shock me. I, I think he's hit the seven. I think I think seven is now baked into the cake, and it's a matter of, you know, how much higher do you have to go, and you know, at what point does somebody cut bait? But yeah, I think it's going north of seven. I do, and it's kind of staggering because everybody talks about their stadium, and then they need, you know, they, they, it's the one they have is a dump. The practice facilities a dump too. <laughs> yeah. So like, if they do, you know, if it is Bezos and he gets it. And then they do build a stadium where RFK used to be. It would not make sense to have the team headquarters almost, you know, with traffic almost two hours away in Loudoun County, Virginia. So I think there'll be a complete rebranding of them. And and I could see them having a practice facility and a stadium, you know, within the greater Washington, D.C., Arlington, Virginia area. Jason, one of the things I always put the red flag up is when a team really hits the skids late in the year. And I'm seeing it in front of my very eyes with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, and, okay, they already got rid of John Robinson. They got rid of J-Rob. How secure is Mike Rabel there? Because I do know one thing. Miss Amy's looking at a new stadium yeah. in Nashville. And, you know, the way you finished it out, when you look like you had it right in your hands, and, the, and it could be a situation Jacksonville knocks you out in the final game, how secure is Mike Rabel in Nashville? I think he's probably okay. I mean, he's done a lot with a little and built up a lot of collateral there. Um, they've already fired, obviously, John Robinson, their um, previous general manager. Uh, I think there's going to be a change at offensive coordinator no, no matter what. No I question. Some, some staff changes coming. Remember, Todd Downing got that DUI in the middle of the season. and like I, I think and, – and there's going to be – look, I think Tannehill's going to be traded. It's clear they're not sold on Malik Willis, and they're going to have to go out and get a quarterback. So, um, you know, and, and do they really think they could ride Derrick Henry for 400 more carries, touches next year? Know. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't think they're going to promote from within at the GM. I, I think they're going to be willing to bring in somebody from the outside, and that person might look at them and say, you know what, your window's over. The, the, the window, yeah. the Derrick Henry Ryan Tannehill window is over, and we've got to sell those pieces off and look at a, a wholehearted, robust rebuild. Jason, kind of going back to Week 18 real quick, we talked about uh, Tennessee and Jacksonville. I'm kind of more looking at Sunday with the NFC playoff pitcher. Do you think it's going to be kind of like the Packers winning in scenario? Do you think they'll kind of get that? Or do you think we'll see a little bit more chaos with potentially the Seahawks losing to the Rams or beating the Rams and then the Lions beating the Packers? I feel like there's a lot of scenarios that we could see here. What do you see playing out? I know Pete hadn't done too well against those Rams. <laughs> Yeah, look, I, I um, first of all, these games should be played at the same time. And yeah. it's, it's kind of shameful that they're not. Um, it's, it's you know, it's chasing the almighty dollar and it's putting Aaron Rodgers in prime time. And it's also kind of maybe helping Aaron Rodgers get in the play. <laughs> but we're not supposed to talk about that. Because um, more people will watch his games than will watch the Lions and would watch the Seahawks. Yeah. Um, I think the Lions are game. Whether they're still alive or not, I, I think they're going to give it what they have. Um, is it going to be enough in the end? I, I don't know. Green Bay is playing their best ball, and I'm, I'm more impressed with what Green Bay's done defensively and changing their spots and blitzing less and getting more adherent to sort of a zone defense. And, you know, Savage is out of the doghouse now. and Creating more turnovers. Yeah, like I, I think there's something to that. Offensively, I, I don't think they're still special in the past game, but they're running enough. 
and they're playing defense. So I think they probably win this game at home. Um, I'm not sure they cover. I hope it's an exciting game. I think it'll be, you know, a close game. I think the Lions will be up for the fight. Um, You know, and Seattle, yeah, I think they probably win that game. You know, that's probably a fairly ugly football game. I could see Seattle being a little tense in the first half. Um, You know, the stakes being a little high for them, but the Rams don't have a whole lot there. You know, there's just... There's just not much there. Um, just hoping to play away, spoiler. You take away the tight end, and there's really there's really nobody else Baker Mayfield throws the ball to. It's kind of like what it used to be with Stafford and Cooper Cup. Um, Spike yeah. gets in. Jason, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. I know it was a tight window schedule oh, for pleasure. you. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. But thanks Always so much, buddy. With you. Appreciate it. That was Odyssey NFL insider Jason Lockenfora. Make sure to follow In the Huddle on the Odyssey app or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back. We'll finish it out here on our number three of Sports Talk right after this break on the Big 870. We're finishing up here on our number three of Sports Talk on the Big 870. And, uh, Charlie, this is a little bit before your time, but, uh, man, it goes to show how quick time has passed. On this day, 1988, Pistol Pete Maravich passed away. The Pistol, just 40 years old, uh, died of a, a heart ailment. Didn't even know he had. Uh, God bless him, man. I, I got to see him maybe a year before he passed away. Still, for me, the greatest ball handler shooter I've ever seen. Now, that's not taking anything away from Stephen Curry. Good man, Curry, he can, he can throw him in from three. But, my goodness, Pete. Played no three-point shot, and what type of numbers he'd have been able to put up. He, we, uh, I was a kid. My dad took my brother and I uh, to watch the LSU freshman team. Pete Maravich was a freshman on that team. And people left after the freshman game. They didn't even stay, uh, you know, for the for the varsity game. They took off. And Pete was unbelievable with a basketball as far as a dribbler, passer scorer uh, just way before his time and he's one of the guys I look back in my youth and say man if he was playing today he would be better today than he was back when he played college basketball in the late 60s and he played with the Hawks and certainly with the Jazz finished it out with the Celtics uh, from into the 70s and into the early 80s but uh, man, what a showman uh, out on the basketball court. He was unbelievable. I went to two of his basketball camps uh, that he put on, one at Nickel State, one in New Orleans, and uh, he was unbelievable. And they, <laughs> he would, you would see him right before you started any practice uh, the first day. Then you didn't see him anymore. Uh, he would disappear, and you'd see him at the last practice. Uh, Pete would show up, and he'd run fast court with you. And, man, that, that was the thrill of a lifetime as a teenager that you got to run the court, and he was the ball handler. And I'd watched him so much, I knew he was two high dribbles, a short one, and then the ball was coming out. Now, it may be in front of him. It may be behind his back, between his legs. It came out all kind of different ways. But, man, he hit a guy that um, – I was actually roommates with for that camp. He was from Argentina, actually played on the 1980 Argentina basketball team. Back then, he was like 15 years old. He was like six foot 10. And Pete hit him with a shot between the legs. 
And it hit him about four places, in the stomach, in the hands, in the head, until finally it bounced away and he'd call you by number. He was like, hey, 71, what happened? The ball hit you? I gave it to you three different times. But Pete Maravich, man, and uh, I can remember uh, my wife calling me and telling me that she had heard on the news that Pete had passed away. Um, And i never forget my dad telling me, hey, come watch the Billy Graham revival with me. Uh, one night I said, Dad, what, what are you talking about? He was like, Pete Maravich is talking after, uh, uh, right before Billy Graham. And it was, Pete had changed his life around. He's he was before my time, but everyone who knows anything about sports, specifically basketball, knows who Pistol Pete was. Pistol Pete Maravich. Yeah, so. and, and today we see Pistol Pete in the NFL. He's Patrick Mahomes. That's true. The the way he can maneuver a, a pass, a pass around, unbelievable. But uh, man, God bless him. He was uh, he was truly something to watch, and um, he had changed his life around, give it everything to the Lord. So, um, thinking about Pete today. We'll be back to Fitz talk in the final hour, right after this news break on the Big Eight Seventy. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 